This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, but not only a brand new episode, the 150th episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don, and uh, I'm never here alone. Sir, can you please introduce yourself? I am a very happy day in the comic book man, everybody. Not only is it the 150th episode of the Major Issues Podcast, but Dan the Comic Book Man is back in studio. Yes, you are here live in the flesh. Hello. It's been a while. As a matter of fact, it's about been like about six, six months, months, half a year. Since, since May, and not March, I mean, since the Amazo virus. Yeah, it's been it's been quite some time. And uh yeah, we thought it would be important to to be here corporally, you know, in our corporal forms. I was not allowing. There was no way anything wrong was going on with the 150th episode, 153 consecutive 150. weeks. Yes, man. The longest thing I've ever done. The only thing I've ever been de- this dedicated to do. We've had conversations. Oh, wrestling for um, us, probably for sure. Oh, yeah. But we've had conversations about, like... Um, episodes that didn't necessarily get recorded that we had to redo or um, changes in schedule or episodes lost that, episodes lost episodes um, you know not having the property changing the property last minute because we were just bored of whatever we were going to initially cover or a pandemic comes out and it takes every single movie that's going to come in theaters off the bat and disables our ability to have guests in house to uh, you know talk about these things so Throughout all of that, um, I just got to say, first and foremost, thank you to everyone who's ever supported the podcast because we found ways to um, still get the job done, to still produce and still get these episodes out to you guys um, free of charge with all our effort every single time. Um, And that's important for us as far as quality is concerned. And I know that you guys have been digging what we've been doing because the numbers have been looking pretty damn good. But yeah, when it comes to numbers... 150 is special, and besides that, this episode will be coming out about two days short of Halloween. So we decided, <laughs> yeah, we decided to cover um, some spooky, well, a spooky character, a character who brings with him a bunch of horror, a bunch of um, morbidity, if it, if you will, and that character is John Constantine. We'll be talking about. <laughs> we'll be talking about the 2005 film, which I hadn't seen since it originally came out. So well, I, it's I roughly have, same for me, yeah. So I have a slew of opinions on that. Uh, we'll talk about the Dangerous Habits storyline, which was the comic that this uh, 2005 film was based on. A little bit background on the character in general. Uh, get your general thoughts on what you uh, on how you think Matt Reeves is doing the current incarnation of Constantine. Um, and no, Brian, what is it, Matt Reeves? Is, oh. Reeves is the director. Yeah, you Batman. know it's Chris, it's Keanu Reeves. That's why I'm, I have Reeves yep, on the. I have go. Reeves on the mind. Uh, Keanu Reeves, Matt Ryan, 
you know, the, our, our contemporary John Constantines, if you will. And we'll talk about, you know, the what both men bring to the table when it comes to the character. But I have to ask you first and foremost, um, what is your history with John Constantine, the character? And can you remember your first impression uh, while being introduced to him? I had no idea it was a DC movie because back in those days, 2005, I was 12 years old. So would you I'm say not... that, that Keanu Reeves movies was your, your first that's my introduction de- That's my definitive concept. Before all of this, before we I got into any of this, two weeks ago... Th- that was my definitive Constantine. Okay. When I see, yeah. when I, if I was to read Constantine, I heard um, Keanu Reeves' voice. 100%. But getting into reading Constantine and knowing of Matt Ryan's performance from seeing him in Crisis, because right. that was my introduction of that version of Constantine. Yeah. Was covering Crisis with you and Yogi. Right. So I ended up liking the fact that, hey, maybe he is British. Yeah, he doesn't smoke in, in those CW incarnations, but. You know, you can't have everything, I guess. They got him with a tan jacket with a with the, what, the overcoat? They got him with yeah. a tan overcoat and a British accent. Yeah, and, and blonde. Well, blonde hair. <laughs> right. So you, if, if they take away smoking, it, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, so I remember seeing Constantine and not knowing it was a comic book character. Okay. I just thought it was this really dope Keanu Reeves movie. Right. The older I got, the more I found out. No, yeah, Constantine is a comic book character. That's actually a DC movie. Did it? Did it? Uh, did something like? Did any of that bump in your in your mind? Did any of that collide? The sense like when you see John Constantine in another medium and he doesn't look like Keanu and he doesn't speak like Keanu, uh, did that mess you up anyway? Like, oh wait, that's John Constantine. If He's anything, it's, like... it's more of the it's more of the opposite. It's more of the seeing other versions of Constantine and then it, that you know. Comparing it to seeing that one specific version of Keanu the only Reeves. one that's kind of the odd one, oddball right? out, yeah, <laughs> yeah like you know, Occam's Razor one. tells me, yeah, this is probably not a good interpretation. And I watched constantly because it's on um, HBO Max. Yes, it is. I watched it two weeks ago. Yeah, no DC stuff comes up. No DC comics, uh, to my knowledge, none of that. Like they took the all Constantine off the DC kind of app. To literally uh, Friday, because I won't forget Friday morning. At around like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I was on the Constantine thing itself yeah. on the DC app. Around 2, 3 o'clock, I wanted to start watching it. I mean, watch a couple of episodes, get like an idea of where they were going with it. Took it right off the DC app. I had to download CWC app. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about that because I got something to say about that as well regarding the DC uh, app. But yeah, I... As far as um, uh, Keanu Reeves goes, it's... From watching it two weeks ago, I, I remember getting all of my emotions back of how I used to love that movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this still is an amazing movie. Yo, Keanu Reeves can truly do no wrong to me. Whatever he does, he can just do no wrong. Right. Then I start reading the comic, and there we go. <laughs> well, we have a tradition here of sorts where, you know, uh, before we were naming you Dan the Comic Book Man, we used to call you Dan the Comic Book Movie Man. Uh, because you have a affinity for film in general. You've seen a lot of motion pictures, more than I have ever. Um, And so a lot of the times when we come up with these uh, episodes, um, like History of Violence, you've seen the film already. Yeah. I'm going to then be like, well, let's cover the the comic as well. And then we find ourselves in the middle. It was the same thing with Kick-Ass. Yeah, exactly. You made me go back and try and love Logan. I had never seen, I had never read V for Vendetta when we covered it. Uh, you know, on the Major Issues podcast, but I had read it that time, and it, it, it just gives you so much more of a background of that character in general. I think the first time that I can remember John Constantine 
um, I read him before I've I've obviously seen seen the movie, but I didn't didn't think it had any connection to anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I read him in um, there was this comic storyline called the Trinity War, where it's the Justice League against the Justice League of America against um, the Justice League Dark over literally like an artifact from Pandora of Pandora's box fame. And John Constantine is the leader of Justice League Dark and he's sm- chain smoking and talking all crazy with all the, you know, uh, Cockney accent stuff that he does. Um, and I really ended up digging the character. And then we talked offline about this, but we got introduced to Willoughby Kipling who uh, from Doom Patrol, who is basically a straight up ripoff of that character. It's literally Constantine. Like yeah, at the with, end the of the day, with the coat. <laughs> same color coat, attitude. British accent, the pansexual nature, like it's... The attitude, all that the kind of stuff. The exorcism and the demonology, like... And then, uh, you know, a uh, friend of the podcast, Jonathan Escudero, a.k.a. Yogi, um, had suggested to read Saga of the Swamp Thing, um, which is amazing. Uh, create, you I, know, have to, by Alan Moore I have to continue. Like I, I read a couple of it. I have to continue that because... I love the way Alan Moore just. I, I love Alan Moore. He yeah, I kind of dig him too. He, lot, cre- yeah. he creates things. Yes, he and has something to say most of the time when he creates these things. And you know, it's whether you like what he has to say or not, whether you think it's over preachy and edgy or not. He's. I still feel like he is on the money with what he's trying to say. He's not trying to say something to be edgy and cool. Yeah, he's saying something because he just truly feels that way. And you can disagree with how he feels, but. That's At least you know he right. has a he has a reason to feel that way with experience. It's like it's the same with well, Watchmen with Frank League of Miller, Extra- you know, any of these any of these high profile writers and then you have their who we're covering yeah. who makes who does write good dialogue, but I feel like all everything that he's trying to say is edgy for the sake of being edgy. Mr. Garth Anus. <laughs> um so another thing that I knew about Constantine in general, after you know, because reading that that Trinity War storyline was my that was me reading issue to issue in Justice League during the New Fifty Two. So I now have now that I'm aware of the character, it's my job to go back. So I had originally already read Saga of the Swamp Thing is where the character first um, appeared, which was in Saga of the Swamp Thing number thirty seven in uh, nineteen eighty five. So if that's his debut, that means he's thirty five years, years old um, this year. Uh, and one of the things I had always known about DC is this Vertigo imprint. This is where Viva Vendetta came out on. This is where Hellblazer came out on, which is the comic uh, title that Constantine of Constantine's comics, and then Sandman. And I've always heard that like that era of Vertigo is amazing, and those comics started to oversell some of the comics of DC's regular you comics. Can really, you can see we have to cover Sandman one day. Yeah. And we're gonna have to cover the other one one day, but like from seeing from Constantine so far, damn! It's and it's all adult subject matter. Like it's 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 rough. The art the artistry is gory sometimes. Um, this deals with a lot of like religion stuff, which is stuff people don't really want to touch when they when they create content. Oh, this um, is hands down some of Enos's best work that I've read from him. Yeah, this is definitely some of his best work because he's blending religion. With being edgy. He's being edgy and cool with the way Constantine acts. Yeah. But he's still making a point to his religion. Yeah, for the most part, our Garth Ennis protagonist is the baddest man in the room. <laughs> you know, he's the smartest man in the room. He's the baddest man in the room. Uh, you've seen that stuff with Punisher and stuff like that. And you see it with Billy Butcher. Right, right. It's the same exact crit. And this is what I was telling you offline that I wanted to bring up here. It's like, who really created Constantine in a sense? Right. Yes, Alan Moore created the character Constantine, but... From what I was reading up on a lot of 
Hellblazer's Vertigo run, especially from like the 40s to like the 150s, yeah, Garth Ennis is writing most of the work. That's also a, a pretty important point. Hellblazer in that first incarnation goes 300 issues. That's oh, it's still amazing. running today. It's still running yeah, today. They they like put a pin in it, then they brought it back, and they put a pin in it again. Uh, now I believe it's still going on under the rebirth. Um, you know, t- but that's still uh, crazy umbrella. to think that Hellblazer is going to be running for for over 300 issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little background on the character. Um, like I said, he first appeared in Swamp Thing, created by Alan Moore, Rich, oh sorry, Rick Veit, uh, Steve Bissett, and John Totleben. Um, one of the things that I love about Constantine, as described, which I think is a perfect, um, you know, description of him, is he's a working class warlock or a working class wizard, and you very much get that working class vibe. Uh, from reading the comics like he's gonna go he's gonna have his breakfast he's gonna go do an exorcism then he's gonna come back have a drink and oh, a for cigarette. the most part for, especially you know? for the most for like the, that whole first issue uh, issue 41 yeah you don't really see constantine being constantine you really more see of the mundane side of Constantine. he goes to the doctor he finds out he has cancer he does this he does that and one, uh, one of the points i wanted to bring up is like we're reading this specific story 41 weeks into this run, yeah. So yep. these are so people back in the eighties that was reading this original run. They got all that Constantine that we want. Yeah, they got to see and read the Constantine that we want to see and read. And they met Zed and Emma and all of them people. Right. You got a chance to see the whole Chaz thing. So maybe the movie is accurate with the relationship between him and Chaz. We right. don't know because we didn't get that. We have forty weeks to read. Yeah. You, I mean, uh, the other day you were going going through um, Tower of Babel, which I would love to cover on this podcast. Oh one God, day. that is such a fun. But it's the phenomenal. same thing with that. Like, I can tell somebody to go read that story, and it's a great story. But in reality, that's an issue of Justice League JLA. So, oh, it's literally like a four yeah, issue run it, in a whole in entire a whole run, series, yeah, like in a whole run. So, had you been reading up until that point, it's like okay, Batman, now you need to get out the. You know because it's not just a. I get, a, I get a, what you're saying. Stories. Once you get up to that point, it's like, wait, Batman, what do you? We've, we've been on we this team here for like how many months now? Right, hundred like, percent. Yeah. Especially when these are weekly by weekly issues, it's like, yo, how many months have we here and you're doing this? Yeah. Uh, so the character in general, like I said, is working class warlock. Uh, he's known for, for being a con man from Liverpool, um, but he's also known for his endless cynicism, deadpan snarking ruthless cunning and constant chain smoking but he's also a passionate humanitarian driven by a heartfelt desire to do something good in his life um the music the musician's thing was a visual inspiration for the character and the hellblazer series was the longest running and most successful title my god was sting really an inspiration for how the character looks 100% 100% oh my god that's so crazy because the last like the last uh, part of the dangerous habits storyline is called the sting oh that's yeah that's pretty funny so it's pretty and you know what's crazy when i read that that was the first thing that came to my head was like "Eh, sting like the singer I've seen a lot of, you know, in, in doing this episode, I, I did my own research and I see a lot of stories or whatever where they ask Alan Moore about the character. He's all like, oh, yeah, no, I just wanted to make somebody that looked like Sting. Like, that's it. Like, there's no pathos. There's oh no, it's like two God. of the other people who were on the series that he was working on were like, hey, we're real big fans of the police. Wouldn't it be cool if somebody no Alan Moore just like Sting. wanted someone and, that looked like Sting? And thus, you know, uh, he's born. 
Um, so he, like I said, you know, Hellblazer is the longest running and most successful title in that imprint. You know, Vertigo being very much like black label, like just like adults only kind of stuff. So it's tearing that whole adults only, you know, thing up. Um, so much so that they decided they're going to end up trying to make a live action film out of it. And in 2005, we got that live action film uh, starring Keanu Reeves. And then eventually we got a TV series starring Matt Ryan. Um, and now Matt Ryan, I believe, is in Legends of Tomorrow. I think so. If you I'm pretty sure he is, yeah. That's how people are currently getting their Constantine fix. Um, but before this cast, uh, how much of Constantine had you seen in media after now being a part of Comic Book Click and stuff like that? Like, how do you have you seen him in mostly like... comics? Okay, it's been mostly everything I've read. He's he's popped up in a lot of uh, like Bat. What was that one? Batman's... Batman Damned. It was Batman Damned. Yeah, he's like the the. I want to say he's the uh, narrator in that story, um, Constantine. Yeah, because there's a moment that he that he visits Swamp Thing, he visits Spectre. He starts yelling at, yelling at Swamp Thing. <laughs> he's always yelling at Swamp. There's thing. also it's also the Arrowverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been getting it with the I've been getting it lately with the Arrowverse. Like there's between comics and TV shows, I've been getting a lot more of seeing Constantine, where it like makes me want to like, hey, let's throw him in a fighting game. Oh, Next yeah, DC game, yeah. let's throw some Constantine in there, bro. I would yeah. love to have some sort of like finishing uh, move about, where um, you see him like throw a card at you and put like a pentagram and a on bunch the floor. of demons to pull you down. Drag you to hell, exactly. Uh, yeah. Tell me that wouldn't be a dope finishing move where Constantine just does an incantation that drags you to hell. There's a there's a um scene in the show. I don't know how far you got, and I can't I remember got what episode, episode it was. Was that the coal miner episode? I, yeah, that was, that was episode two. Okay, so, so yeah, I, I that coal episode. miner's episode where he sacrifices the wife, like he's just like, oh, and by the way, your you know your husband is a you know like a a, a soul that has not gotten its gotten its revenge or whatever. Oh yeah, and he and like he drags to lets, hell with a bunch and of. He doesn't do like... anything about it. He's just like you know you're evil, and you used evil magic, and now you're getting killed by evil magic and it is what it is that was a very much like okay that's totally constantine like you know what I'm saying? like he's not all of the of the saving is going to be clean and clean cut like oh. in uh like a superhero you know you think of the collateral damage of a superhero but imagine the collateral damage of 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 summoning a demon or bringing a devil like that's got to be way freaking worse and that leads us to what's called the uh newcastle incident um, were you familiar with that at all before they exposited? I on had the... no idea what the Newcastle incident was. It was it's um yeah, it was spoken about in the uh, in the comic, sh- right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, they kept speaking about it, but I think they were they did it before I got a chance to. What's the word I'm looking for? It happened already, and by the time it got up to it. I didn't know exactly what the new cast was. I didn't do a lot of my research, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have done enough of my research. Like there was a lot of like. Well, listen, with this forty, with this five six issue story that we're covering today, there was almost no reason to um, do homework because again, we were coming in in the middle, so it was very hard. Like if you were going to start doing homework, it becomes well, who's this guy and who's this guy and who's this guy? Because we don't know anybody. We're starting the story from issue forty one, so many of the names that were named, I'm like, Am I, I'm going to have to go and find out what well, the hell. I'm actually glad. About. That I started the show because yeah. if I didn't start the show and I didn't get to the third um, episode, there's a moment in where Constantine in the fifth book where he's naming off people, yeah. and one of the names he names was Zed. Yes, and now that I know Zed is this female character that like has like premonitions of like meeting like I like there's a there was a, I could have done more of my due diligence, but yeah. like you say that we're literally jumping into a character that's 
been here for a long time by this point. I think one of the other things that defines the character for me is this um, guarded nature. Uh, we've seen yes. in various different mediums that he's expressed that he knows kind of in his mind that the people around him just kind of sort of die. And so it's created this this Teflon around the man's heart where he doesn't really give all of himself to anyone. He only gives the surface level. And that's why he always kind of looks cool because he's never really emotional. He's never really um, down on his luck because he's always managing to you know do something quick or, or do something cunning. Uh, but the story that we're going to cover today, I mean, talk about down on his luck. No, you know, and it's great because um, watching the show and seeing the way he just like pushes people away yeah like you meet this girl in episode one gone in episode one you meet yeah. a girl in episode two and he personally wants her gone in episode two and he and he, he even says he's like you know I, I don't let anybody get close to me i work alone i work alone and bouncing back and watching those couple of episodes and then reading the comic and seeing the way he monologues of everybody that gets close to him dies you even under- even worse in that comic like the people that have died because of something that he did literally haunt him like literally show up oh, that was in the first and, com- yeah, yeah the first they comic, show up like, and they yeah they they haunt him there was like that's... a room of like nine people like people he he either killed or got killed or... and they were kind of like trolling him like they were like messing with him you oh, know? Like, yeah they we can't like... wait for you to feel the pain that we feel when and you let's... get down here you're gonna have to deal with this forever it, it was it was so much. I, I didn't know if it was a dream sequence or if he was really being haunted, but I figure in a Constantine setting, yeah, he's really being haunted by actual ghosts with uh, unresolved business and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's get into this comic. Uh, Hellblazer. Let's do it, this stuff is crazy. Hellblazer, Dangerous Habits. Uh, specifically, uh, those are issues 41 through 46 of the Hellblazer comic, uh, written by Garth Ennis with art by Will Simpson. The, the comic, this story itself became a success, being well-received, and was the best-selling vertical series at the time. It also catapulted Ennis's career. So For you anybody just that doesn't about, know who Ennis is, he wrote The Boys the that Boys. we have covered here twice now. And he's also uh, very famous for writing uh, The Punisher Max And The series. Preacher. He created The Preacher. The Preacher yep. as well, which I, I mean, come we on. To, we have to cover that. But I'm saying also, like, if he, if you don't think he took anything from here, oh, yeah. then, oh. in the mind, and then to use that to move forward, and you, it's all... Oh, no, yes. it makes so much sense. When you look at this, The Preacher, The Punisher, and The Boys... It kind of makes sense of the the style the that he, he that, had. Yeah, yeah, you can see the trajectory that he goes with with his certain style. He was always going to end up where he was at, where he's with people who are very cynical. Because like we say, Billy Butcher is basically Constantine without the magic and the powers. Right. He it's just his guarded drink. Yeah. yeah, this guy that he wears trench coats and doesn't let anybody close to him, but he has that one love. and okay, He has a bit of a dirty mouth and all it, that kind of stuff. Sodding yeah. and uh, sodding and cunt. Yes, he says, he likes to say all those things. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, after having some serious cough attacks, John Constantine checks himself into a hospital. The doctor diagnoses John with an advanced terminal lung cancer and tells him that he will only have a short time to live. Upon hearing this, Constantine attempts to cure and save himself, knowing that his soul is damned and hell is ready to welcome him. And this, that soul being damned is a reference to the Newcastle incident that we were speaking about before, where as a young exorcist, he was trying to exercise um, this little girl who was possessed Oh, yeah, by the Astrid thing. Yes, yes, no, I know about the Astrid thing, yes, because um, they even bring it up in the TV show that so, he's haunted by the decisions of Astrid. Yeah, so for those who are unaware, there's a small girl named Astra, and she gets possessed. He uh, 
there's a very powerful demon in her. So he um, assumes that he should get another powerful demon from hell to fight the first demon. And he does. And it happens successfully. But that other powerful demon that he conjures refuses to leave and uh, ends up taking the little girl to hell with him. So she's currently living in hell. Every an day that he wakes old, up, yeah. there's an eight-year-old that's sitting in hell, dealing with hell, the flames, the torture, every day Ripping because the soul apart of John Constantine, and, yep. because of him. And he knows this. Uh, so he knows that his soul is damned to hell um, as soon as he dies of this lung cancer or anything. Um, he ends up visiting a friend and fellow mage, f- fellow wizard in Ireland named Brendan Finn for help. Upon arriving, however, he learns that Brendan cannot help him, and he too is dying. What do you think about Brendan, who ends okay, up trading, yeah. making a deal with the devil to make the perfect, uh, the perfect pint of, of Guinness? We need to talk about my man Brendan, that literally has a pond of holy water under his yeah. house. That once he lights certain sacred candles. Turns it into his desire. He what he sold his soul for. Goddamn, the perfect pint of gifts. And yep. that one scene, that one panel of, of Constantine just describing the beer. It's like the foam is perfect and the cream like, just yeah. slides. It's, which, which it's again, heaven. It's which again. If I sold my soul, that better be the best damn beer. Oh no, it, it literally better be. No, if I'm going to hell when I die, that better be literally the most perfect. But he's also not an idiot, which I felt like in a way this was kind of foreshadowing the ending of the Dangerous Habits storyline mm-hmm. because uh, Finn, hey, Finn put a stipulation on it. Yes. He's like, I will sell my soul for the most perfect beer in the world, but if you can't collect me by 12 a.m. The, the night I die, then that's then it. I go to heaven. Goes where it goes, yeah. It goes to heaven. Yeah. So yeah. that's what ends up happening to him. It, oh, yeah, it ends up happening to him. 100%. He, he's in heaven. Yeah, because um, I I also thought before we get there that it was really sweet. Like um, uh, Constantine is talking to his friend uh, Brendan, and he's like, they get drunk first, and then that's when Constantine tells him about the lung cancer thing, and uh, Brendan starts to crack up because he's like, you thought I could help you? I'm dying too. I got cirrhosis of the liver. I've been drinking myself to death. It's kind of funny because they both been they both are dying of their vices of their dangerous habits. And so, uh, I like it. I like it. And so, um, it, you know, Constantine's in a moment of like frustration because now he realizes that he kind of went here for no reason and all this other kind of stuff. But his friend almost begs him, like, just chill here with me just and stay just with me drink, and drink with me because he knew he was dying that night. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that whole all of that? Like, them I want to know where this man gets his money from because he's taking trips. From America to Ireland to America to England yeah. to America to yeah, like I want to know where this man is getting his funds from. He must got a lot of miles, right? He right. must got a lot of frequent flyer miles. Yeah, but no, I thought it was. I I kind of thought it was sweet. Where um, these two, you 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 can feel that these two have a chemistry, right? You can one hundred percent feel that these two have a chemistry with it. Even if we're walking into something forty weeks in, you can just tell just by the way if uh if Brennan is dying and he's like, hey man, just. Just sit with me. Let's open this bottle of whiskey. Let's have some holy, Guinness. holy Guinness. Just Let's drink holy Guinness, Guinness with me. And and you see Constantine going there for the reason that Constantine is his selfish. He's looking for himself. Yeah. He's, he's had he up. not had he not come for this, Brendan probably would have died, died on his own. No, he yeah, he would have died and died if on he his never own. Went and thought, been in hell. <laughs> yep, exactly. You know? He would have died on his own in hell. So that should be a. That's also another thing that Constantine doesn't even think about. He saves. 
some poor soul without even realizing just by visiting to be selfish. So yeah. sometimes maybe the lesson is we should be selfish. <laughs> sometimes at the end, the end is just by the means. Um, so yeah, they get drunk. Um, and I remember like a lot of, obviously because Constantine is the um, protagonist. One of the things that we don't get from the television show and the movie is that uh, excellent um, inner monologue, which is something that I've said is missing in Batman as well. Uh, really, and, yeah, that's that's something that you can't really truly translate into movies without the annoyance of narration. Right. Because after a while, it's like, okay, stop spelling out every scene. Exactly. Let me just yeah. see it on my own. Right. But when you get these actual inter-monologues, it's like you understand motivation. You understand arcs. But I also feel like that if you're a filmmaker, there should be ways to be able to write those inner monologues into your scene with visual storytelling. Yeah. How many times did you know what Walter White was thinking just by him putting his hands on his forehead and going like this with simple mannerisms? Yeah, you should be able to connect those dots. Um, and it was in that mo- uh, inner monologue that he, at one point he's just like, you know what? I'm just with my friend and we're just rat ass drunk and I'm, it's just fine. Like this in this sold- moment, like in this moment, even with everything going on, everything is fine right now. But you know, um, Brendan succumbs to his uh, his I wouldn't say injuries, his illness, and passes away. Um, uh, and John's like, "Oh well, he's dead, so I'm just gonna leave." And as he goes to leave, he bumps into literal Satan, uh, well, uh, known as I the guess... first of the fallen. Satan is himself. Point, we think it's Satan. Yeah, it's like the lords of hell. They're different for some reason. There are different lords of hell. Um, we get introduced to one of them in the Constantine, Constantine film about Balthazar. Balthazar, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that. Uh, Beelzebub. The, they're, they're the three brothers. It's the three lost brothers. Right, 100%. So yeah. he meets the first one, the first of the fallen, uh, which um, I think that they wanted to call him Lucifer, but Lucifer was also being used in comics as Lucifer Morningstar, the same way that he has his show. Uh, yeah, that's you know, a DC character. Yep. 100%. So um, They just called him the devil. He was just the devil. Yeah. So the first uh, tells... John, that Brendan sold his soul in exchange for this big drink collection and the ability to do this. Um, and he agreed to the deal because he finds a hopeless drunk person like Brendan amusing. Uh, yeah, he called human, he said that humans are like a. There's nothing worse than a drunkard, he says. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to remember what exactly that he called. He called humans like, the, he had like this whole like little monologue of like they're stupid and. Right. Um, like uh, they're, they're full of themselves and shit. Probably like clumsy. That. I'm going to look it up. Cause yeah. This is. But, um, uh, yeah, you have literally the first of the fallen there having a, con- a conversation with John Constantine trying to explain to everyone um, or at least to Constantine himself like this whole terms of this deal. And he does it so matter-of-factly, so pragmatically um, that it just shows like this is just another day for the devil. Like this is just another person who's made a deal. Yeah, he just comes I'm in, he just collect. storms in. It is what it is. Um, and so they uh, before he's able to take the soul – John Constantine's like, hey, uh, do you want to have a drink? Um, and so five minutes before midnight, he invites the first of the fallen for a drink, offering him a glass of that holy um, water slash Guinness. So long as a candle is lit for this seance of sorts, the Guinness remains Guinness. But knowing that it can change, uh, he allows the devil to drink some of this Guinness and he knocks over a table, which transforms the alcohol into holy water and basically poisons him and then even then while the devil himself seemingly is dying from this this holy water uh in uh, indigestion 
he smashes the, the devil in the face with, with a, a glass bottle. bottle. With a wine yep. bottle. So, what are you thinking in this moment as John Constantine Bro, right. is fighting back the devil? I, I screamed uh, out loud as audible as I can. I was reading it, and when he said, "It turns to it, it's made from holy water," and the devil said, "Huh, what?" And you see him kick over the table. I said, "Yo, what?" This takes the wine bottle. Oh, I guess we didn't finish the wine. That's right. We didn't. Even, no, we didn't even drink the wine because yeah. he he Bill smashes Gates. the bottle. He's like, "Oh, that's right. I guess we didn't finish the wine. They were too busy drinking the Guinness." Yeah. And he's like stabbing him in the face. I'm like, "Oh, so that's why the devil got a grudge out for your ass." And that and that and that becomes it. Like the whole his whole face gets sh- like shredded because he's a demon. So I mean, I guess it's just this is just a facade. But um, there's like the art in that is no the art. Oh, his face was like. Mashed potatoes in yeah. that in that panel. It, uh, it was impeccable, and he missed the deadline, so he goes back to hell. Uh, 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 Brandon Soul goes to heaven, and now, like he has legitimately made the worst enemy. He pissed in the off world, the right? devil. He's, he's pissed off the devil. He's made the worst enemy in the world, uh, which is uh, obviously not great. John then seeks uh, to enlist Ellie. A succubus uh, that he's kind of, you know, he has kind of some feelings for. He seeks her aid in search for a cure. And Ellie reveals, hey, the first is furious with you, the first of the fall. And he's very pissed. She lives in hell. So he's like, he's down there just <laughs> screaming yeah, about. Yeah, I was wondering what was happening until I realized what the dialogue was going. It's like, oh, and then I read up. I was like, oh, wait, you're just a messenger. Yeah. Okay. So she's like, yeah, he's down there in hell. Kicking things and cursing and talking all about oh, you. Yeah, well, he yeah. can't wait till he gets he's his like, hands on you. He's like he's usually mad, but I've never seen him this mad. Yeah, he's like, pissed. Like that. He got tricked. Um, and so uh, she, they, she also tells him like, oh, and by the way, when you do eventually die, and we all know you're dying of this lung cancer, especially him, he's gonna be on that ass. He cannot wait for you to die so he could torture you for all eternity. Um, so he's like, okay, now I cannot afford to die. So he gate crashes the gentleman's club and seeks aid from the angel Gabriel. Uh, John bluffs him by reminding the angel of his debt to the con man. But Gabriel's like, he's like, what about all the things I did for you? He goes, I'm not keeping score. Like, he's like, I'm not. Oh, yeah. I don't owe you anything. He's like, like, yeah. He's like, yes, I'm aware that you owe me. But like I said, debts mean nothing to angels. I'm like, yo, you're an ass. And, um. One uh, one of the biggest things that they talk about that's very interesting is this idea that um, the angels that make up the rules for society are so far removed. They're so far away from who we are. Who what what gives them the right to make rules for us? Especially if they don't understand us, as he said. Right, because at one point he's like, "You humans, I don't, we don't, I don't understand you." And Constantine's like, "Exactly. So why the hell are you making up the rules?" Because he because he got mad that the angels and God can only see things in black and white. They yeah. don't see nuance. They don't see perspective. They don't understand, like, you know, yeah, there's crime and then there's crime. And these are also ants to them. So what rules would you make up for an ant? You're not going to sit there and have an ant explain to you why the rules you made for their ant farm isn't, you know, isn't copacetic. You're like, shut up. You're an ant. Like, watch. <laughs> anyone else have so, any issues? God, that's so true. It's so messed up. But for so real? You'd true. be like, anyone else have any issues? Anyone else want to be stomped out here? Uh, and... Yeah, that was a real big issue. And then believing that no mortal can order an angel around, Gabriel says that uh, he's going to hell and he deserves to go to hell for all the mortal sins that he commits. 
And then Constantine kind of just acts like an ass and gets kicked out of the <laughs> kicked out of the gentleman's club. It's like, I'm sorry, but your friend is causing a disturbance. I ain't his friend, so you can leave. One of the things I love best about this story is there's there is a clock in my mind going on while this story is going on, you know? And he's also like he's crossing off Brendan. Brendan can't. Yo, help I him. thought I was the only person that was thinking, like, yo, isn't there like this some sort of like in, innate countdown clock in yes. anybody else's head while they're reading? It's like, yo, we're already forty like, we're on issue forty five. Where are we going with this? Like Right. And so like Brendan can't help. He's crossed out. Ellie can't help. He's crossed out. We just met Gabriel. Gabriel can't help. He's crossed out. While this is also going on, John is feeling the actual uh, repercussions of his illness, of his lung cancer, and he's coughing all crazy. He's sweating. Uh, he actually goes to stop by a hospital at one point just to see what a cancer ward looks like, uh, just in and case he might think of checking in. Good old man, Matty. He meets a he meets a gentleman named Matt, who he becomes friends with. Um, realizing that he can only rely upon himself, because that's one of the things he does. He goes to a bar after the Gabriel thing. He sits there and he goes, you know. I've only really ever been able to rely on myself. I should find, be able to find a way out of this. Me, by myself. Um, and so after having all those drinks, he sets about saving his own life. Um, John later gives his goodbyes to his lifelong friend, Chaz Chandler, who we'll see in the film. Um, and to a fellow old man who has cancer that we were talking about. On the eve of his death, this is this this is just so great, bro. This this shit goes this shit goes south. On the eve of his death, Constantine sells his soul to the other two lords of hell, each thinking that uh, they're the only ones to have bought John's soul. As John dies, because uh, he you know slits his wrist. I thought I knew where it was going to because it's like he does the first he does the first ritual, and then when he does when he's finished with it, you never see the ritual. Yeah. You just see the next like, panel is it a of deal? Him. He goes, is it a deal? And the other person goes, yes, it's a deal. And that's it. And then he's like, all right, now I got to race this. So the next person, <laughs> so the next one doesn't see that something was already here. And then he does it again. And then, then makes fi- a deal. Yep. You don't see it. And then finally slits his wrist in one of the most graphic wrist slits I've seen since the cover of Mr. Miracle. Yeah. And then the first of the fallen comes down as an almost perverted version of Jesus. Son, I kind of love that the show did it shot. That the movie did it shot. With for the feet. Shot. The With feet the, and the, the tar feet. and stuff. It's not just, yeah, not just the feet, but the demon blood. When the when it hits the freaking floor, you see the steam rising. It's just so creepy because he sort of looks like Jesus. And then like the thorns that become the crown that we know a crown of thorns just that they grow get. Out of his it head. just grows out of his head. Yeah, and it's just like this weird, demonic, satanic, occult. And he's saying, "Look at the nightmare. Gar- look at the garb I'm wearing. I am damnation." Yeah, that's exactly what all, he said. It's all way too dark. I'm reading this stuff. I'm yeah, like, this is going on in the comics. This is out of control. Yeah, but I get why. If you're, if you're someone like me that literally grew up in like the religion, I grew up in a religious. In setting, yeah. So if I continued with the way I was when I was a kid, I know I was a very religious person right now. Like this would be like, damn, am I gonna go to hell just for reading? I'm like literally sitting here, like, yo, am I gonna go to hell just for reading this? Yeah. Like this is some crazy, crazy shit. You got you have a an exorcist with his wrist slit. Yep. And three demons in a room, like. And the main reason why the first of the fallen even shows up so quick is because he's like taunting Constantine as he dies. Like this, he's been waiting for this moment. Because he's like, you know, chomping at the bit to have him once he dies. So he comes in, he's taunting him. Then the second one pops up. He's oh, like, he's I'm a, here yeah, for your like, soul. And the third thinking, one pops he's up. He's like, I've been thinking about you every day and the pain that I'm going to put you through every day. I'm. He's like, I'm going to make you die every day. And I just, in my head, I'm, I'm going to like the worst case scenario that his hell is just going to be an eternity of him being a normal 
person and yeah. dying in the most over gruesome, and over and over horrific over deaths over and over for the rest of eternity. It's 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 gonna be like the the fake good place, but like Garthenus's version of the fake good place. Yeah, it's bad over and over again. Um. So yeah, now there's beef. All three of them know that they are owed Constantine's soul. So the three lords are faced with a terrifying situation. If he dies, and they they will literally go to war for his soul. Like hell would be at war. These three. Oh, yeah, we have to talk about how crazy this deal finally was when you realize the deal. Yeah. He sold his soul to two brothers. Three brothers. Th- no. Oh, he sold them to two, two but one. But the other one, it. the other one, claimed it by right of insult, <laughs> which is hilarious, right? Like that he has a right because he was insulted by this. Yeah, man he's like it's, he's mine by right, but and he's like he asked him by right of what? What by right of insult? Yeah, don't forget, I'm the first of the and three. No, and like, yeah, because what did I do? Oh, yeah, he's like, yo, brothers, yo, he's like, yo, shut up. And all the other brothers are like, yeah, what did he do? He's like, yo. it's not important. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so there's like this weird vanity going on with but these brothers But then Constantine well. makes sure that he wasn't the only one that felt vain. He's like, wait, you two idiots don't understand what I did to you, too. Yeah, I tricked I all sold of you. each of you as my soul without you realizing that my soul was already claimed. And, and they looked, all three of them look in the contracts like, wait a minute. All of us have rights to this one man's soul. But we can't get it. So it's either a war where hell gets ripped apart and then God and the angels come down and from what the way they have the writing is, is their punishment would be literally slaves to angels and humans. Yeah. It, it doesn't look good for freaking anybody. Well, no, because the humans would be the slaves to the angels too. Yeah, it would cause a chance for heaven to attack them while they're unbalanced. Which was another thing. So, like, he's affected the ecosystem of hell in this with this uh, uh, this deal that he's made. Oh, so essentially, they're gonna have to keep him alive, seemingly forever. Forever? No, they're going. That's what they said it themselves. It's either one of us gets him and the two of us don't, which is we like they're like saying it. The thing is, they can't can't not claim it. Right? They can't. The other two can't quote unquote surrender him. They're not like literally it, in their by nature. right of, yeah. of of the deal. They have ownership over this this soul, so they would have to come to a fight, regardless about whether or not they wanted to or, or not. Or they all work together, and the three of them don't want to do that. Yes, they could yeah. all torture him together and share that one soul together. But they all laughed at that notion of having to share a soul. Yeah, and they're too proud to let and, and either one of them get it. Uh, they have too much of a reputation in hell, and surrendering a surrendering a deal to them is humiliating. So, unwilling to risk all-out war, the three decide to heal John of his cancer. What I so love about this, gr- this, yes. this was so what I love about this is that the, the, when they decide that they're going to do this, that, you know what, he's not going to die. We're going to cure him of his cancer. The first says, but I'm going to make this hurt as much as I could possibly make this hurt. And he reaches into the, the chest of John Constantine with his regular-ass hands, rips out his two black lungs which also happens in the film uh and then replaces them no but the, but in the most painful way possible the, he's illustra- the, the illustration time. sorry the the verbal illustration of the way it was was he cracked both of his rib cages like he literally yeah. ripped his rib cage open took his heart and his spine and moved it to the side with no tact with no like kind of like comfort and then went into his lungs and ripped out the tar and then burned everything yeah. and regrew it all. Yeah, and he right. said the burning and the regrowing hurt 10 times worse than any of the breaking of his bones. And then they had to do the wrist because he slid his wrist. Yeah. And he said it felt hotter than any oh, hot he said welder. He felt like, yeah, his finger was like a hot 
Yeah, like he a, said, yeah, yeah, it's like hotter than any hot welder he felt. But the, oh my god, just sealing, s- sealing it right up. So, uh, yeah, they they cure him of his cancer, and once the healing is complete, complete, in only the way he can, John taunts the three and flips off the first of the fallen. He says something like, "I know better than to do this. I probably shouldn't. I'm gonna but, regret this later. But, but it's me. It's me. So, yeah. and he flips off Fuck you. Uh, the, he flips off the, the first of the fallen." Um, which he later regrets. Yes, 100%. 100%. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Now that I think of it, I think that was going over the line a bit. So in an epilogue, Constantine goes around telling his friends that he's going to live. While saying goodbye to cancer patient Matt, who he had been visiting throughout the story, Matt begins to violently cough up blood and he passes away. The comic ends with Constantine crying in the rain, uh, comforted by a friend of his. But I, when I read that epilogue, to me... That was the Superman of it all, where the whole you can't save everybody. Yeah, you just yeah, you're right. You just con the devil himself, and you just say you know you just granted yourself a couple more decades on this earth, but you can't win them all. You literally can't. You can't win life. You can't yeah. win nature. You can't fight nature. And you can win. Nature. You can win for your own selfish reasons, but there are other people around you who we can take down still. And that's a again a recurring part of Constantine's story is that the ones around him get hurt because of all this. This madness and stuff. Um, so, before we get into the film, what did you think of that story, um, having never read it before? Oh, man. This was... This, this, now I understand why this comic lasted and lasts as long as it does. Because between the illustration, like the coloring, the, pen, the, the penciling is great, but just this story. Yeah. If they can keep it up with what I got with like the level of excitement and fun... Of dangerous habits, right? Yeah, I'd probably read a lot more Constantine. Yeah, I'd want to go now and read under the Justice League Dark. Yeah, and get me some Constantine with some que- oh, not question, whatever those the whole all team, those characters, yeah, all those characters. I see it all the time, and it's just like my body just tells me, hey, maybe you should one day try and read Justice League Dark. Just try and read us. And Constantine is one of the characters that always pull me towards it. I feel like uh, in the beginning it was a bit rough uh the story because again we had no we had no uh oh it uh, was confusing that first issue 100 percent. we had no source of reference for what was going on uh we just had to just ju- jump in but i remember messaging you and telling you that once you get to that devil <laughs> that devil drinking the holy water moment yeah it kicks it, in and it, the rest of it it kinda... goes full gear and then the rest you don't need to know the backstory of any of these guys you just you got to follow this story and the story is simple John is dying of cancer. He's going to go to hell. On top of going to hell, he pissed off the one being in existence you don't want to piss off when you're already going to his house. Exactly. Now he has to find out a way to prolong his way. He knows he's going to go to hell, but he has to find a way to prolong it. Yeah, yeah. Within finding a way to prolong it, he ends up tricking the devil, getting a couple more years on his sentence. It's it's pretty cut and dry when you look at the the outsider of it. Like If you look at the top surface of it, yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. Guy, guy that's gonna die is gonna go to the worst place ever. Has to find a way to save his skin. I think another really good part that uh, we kind of glossed over is at one point he um, talks to his sister and doesn't even doesn't even feel like he has the right to say bye to his niece. Right? Yeah, he's, he's like, like, like just say yeah. bye for me, whatever. And it's like. Damn, you really not cool with nobody. Like not even your your niece, your sister. Like you've hurt so many people. You traded on so many people. Chaz, goodbye. He wrote it down. From from so I would have to say from this comic, from this story, 
from the TV show and from the movie, Chaz is the one reoccurring character. He's like the right-hand he's like man. an Alfred. Yeah, yep, he's like right hand man. He's the he's the one reoccurring character that I've seen right now in three incarnations. In three mediums, I've seen Chaz. And considering it's up to those incarnations to educate you, they're telling you who Chaz is and that Chaz is somebody important in Constantine's life. And the in the TV show, you get more of the exposition of who Chaz, what Chaz means. To yeah. Constantine, and then in the, the the movie, you get like more of an origin of Chaz in a sense, like a young origin Chaz. Yeah. So when you see that goodbye letter, that one was like the straw that broke the camel's that back. That was me. pretty emotional. That yeah. felt bad because like he's like, wait, huh? You left the letter. What are you? Well, they're arguing they, in the car the entire time. They were because because um so he owes him cab, money or he, he owes him a car to, he, or something he, like he, that. He owed money. For his taxi cab to get a new cab because his cab was totaled because right. of a job. I think the Newcastle job yeah. ended up ruining his taxi. And the only way to pay it, he ended up going to a loan shark. A loan shark that they both know will kill him if he doesn't pay up. So Constantine right. is worried about Chaz ended up getting killed by some mafiosos. Right. So yeah, they're arguing the whole way and Constantine is basically calling him an idiot. Like if you needed money, just come to me. What are you doing? You're an idiot. Yeah. He leaves and he sees the letter right there. Opens the letter and it's like this four frame page where it's he re- opens the letter, notices the letter, and starts crying. Yeah, and I'm like, damn. And he says shit to Chaz like, uh, "I'm glad I wrote all this down because I'd feel pretty silly telling you this to your face," which shows like again a, a level of pride in Constantine. But again, he cares. He wanted to, he didn't have to send this message at all, but he does. Because but also, Gabriel did heart. mention to Constantine that he takes the Ten Commandments as a joke. Yes. So yeah. and he's like the Ten what? Yeah. yeah, so it's yeah. like Cause he's like you of all people. Like he very much doesn't like to talk to either side, good or bad. That's why I like about him is you know, a lot of people. I was when I was doing my research for this, I was seeing people put say, "Is Constantine a ripoff of Doctor Strange?" And I feel like they're so different. Like they're so on different sides of this whole magical realm. Like Constantine's like a a, a, a magic shyster. Like he's a he's a con man. He's legitimately the guy in the alley that you know is doing cheap tricks. To get by the next day, always. At this point, know? in at this point in the way we are with with TV, I think the the easiest way to like get somebody into a Constantine is if they've seen Doom Patrol, just say, "Yo, you know Kipling?" Yeah, yeah, that's who Kipling was. And based just on, like just like Kipling, he's the I Deadpool love, to his Deathstroke in a sense. Just like Kipling, I love the, the always the assortment of random magical artifacts that do random things. Dude, the, yeah, no, he just ends up pulling out these talismans out of his like pocket, like. And he has like doll hair from like a troll in the 1800s. That's so like what wrapped. I like. What I like about the comic and the show that the movie didn't do when the, he's using magic in the movie or whatever you want to call it in the movie that he's doing. A lot of it's seen as like Christian artifacts, so it's seen like as if he's using weapons of the light against the dark. Right, very cut and dry. They're, they're doing a definitive stance there. Right. Whereas I feel like regular Constantine is using black magic to fight. Oh. And perfect, perfect, perfect example of that is in the show itself when he was learning a new incantation. Yeah, you literally see him butt naked. Oh, you on saw a that pentagram. scene? Yeah, that was hilarious. He's, he's butt naked in a pentagram, like covered, covered in, blood. in blood. Covered he's in like, blood. I'm he's speaking in tongues. Yeah. He's like putting his hands up and he's like trying to do a new incantation. Like, yeah, and Chaz is with you know a, a house Zed. guest Zed. Zed. Yeah. and Zed's like, what is he doing? He's like, oh, he's just learning a new spell. He's covered in blood, sta- standing on a pentagram, naked, doing speaking, speaking Latin, in tongues. Latin, yeah, you know, tongue like, in Latin and Aramaic. It's, it's like wow, like that. Th- that's that's constant. That's the yeah. lengths of things that he's willing to go to to justify the means. Um, so let's get into this film. So we could talk about the differences. 
uh, and get which boy get are they? <laughs> well, Constantine uh, came out in two thousand and five. We were talking about the characters being thirty five years old. This film is fifteen years old. So, so fi- in that film, so this guy was twenty years old at the time that this movie came out. Yeah. Um, so uh, this was directed by Francis Lawrence. If you're not familiar with him, he also directed I Am Legend, and he directed uh, three out of four of the Hunger Games films. That makes sense. That, that <laughs> but all this would all be sense. after this. So yeah. Yeah, because I Am Legend is 06, I think. Yeah. Um, the on a budget of between seventy five to one hundred million, it made two hundred and thirty point nine million. So it did make its money back. Um, as far as the plot is concerned, um, in the Mexican countryside, a scavenger named Manuel finds a spearhead wrapped in a Nazi flag at the ruins of an old church. The spearhead is later revealed as the spear of destiny. Manuel becomes possessed and travels to the United States. Which anybody that doesn't know the spear of destiny, it was the actual. Uh, it was the actual weapon used to kill Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ didn't die on the cross when he was crucified. He was finally killed when they stabbed him on the upper in the rib. rib yep. Yeah. Uh, Spear Destiny uh, prop, the one that they use in this film, is the same one that they use in Hellboy. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting. Uh, also, the Nazi flag that they find the Spear of Destiny in. Is the actual director's Nazi flag. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so no, it's an old artifact of Keanu Reeves. No. Um, it, this is Pop Pops. It was destroyed after shooting to prevent it from falling into the hands of neo Oh my god, I believe it. And uh, for those who want to follow Constantine into Legends uh, or want to get into Legends in general, the Spear of Destiny is also a huge plot point in the second season. Really? Um, I might get into the DC's second season Legends of that of tomorrow. Now. Yeah. now I, see, that just gives me a reason to get it back into the show. That's what we do here. You feel me? That's what we do here. Uh, in Los Angeles... Occult detective John Constantine, played by Keanu Reeves, exercises a girl possessed uh, by a demon trying to break through to Earth, which should not be possible under the rules of a standard for mankind's souls. Constantine's driver and apprentice, Chaz Kramer, not Chandler, uh, played by Shia LaBeouf, uh, waits in the car as Constantine doesn't think he's ready to exercise demons. So, as we are going to end up talking about the film... This is the thing I don't understand, that I've always... If you have the rights to a character, if you literally have all of the rights to a character, what's the point of changing names? What's what is <laughs> I don't know. you literally have the rights to to Chaz Chandler? What is the point? But you know what? Uh, as far as naming names are concerned, it turns out that originally uh, um, John, as as we know him, was supposed to be his name was supposed to be pronounced as John Constantine. 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 Um, I I have to double check, but I think this is the thing that popularizes it as being pronounced as Constantine. Was this movie? Uh, yeah, because it's, it's at least spoken oh, so various I... times in this as Constantine. I call him Constantine. Looks like Constantine, but I think when push comes to shove, and you look, that's at, literally how you spell the, Constantine. the name Constantine. But it also be con- the T I N E would be time. It's also Greek pronunciation. Yes, that's the thing about it. But like you're, you're you're saying, you know, besides Chandler himself, the film changed several aspects of, oh, this of was the source lo- material. This was loosely, and I mean loosely with a capital L. Yes. Loosely based on Dangerous Habits. Um, you know, Reeves played the role with his natural accent and natural hair color, as well as the film basing him in Los Angeles. Um, what do you think of Reeves as Constantine? Um. All right. So, because Reeves can do no wrong. I really love his acting in general. Like anything that he does, I feel like I buy it to what he's trying. I feel like he he's looking at the characters that he's playing and he's doing the mannerisms to the best of what that character would be. Right. 
So when, so when Keanu Reeves sees a character like John Constantine, he thinks stoic, you know, deadpan, like you know, the kind of guy, devoid. the kind of guy that would be in a world like that would have to be someone who doesn't have many friends or many or, good or times. even connection to reality in general. Yeah. So yeah, I I did love his 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 portrayal of Constantine. But I will, I will say that definitely was no Constantine that I know. It just, <laughs> there was, yeah, he was cursing, yeah, he was being an asshole, but there wasn't enough of the self-deprecating humor. Yeah, I don't think uh, Keanu was at all problematic. It could have gotten real problematic because at one point, uh, Mel, Gil- Mel Gibson and Kevin Spacey were considered to star as Constantine. Okay, what? Why Kevin Spacey? Why Mel Gibson? They're both kind of bad choices, but Kevin Spacey, it seems feels like a way worse choice than Mel Gibson. But look at Mel Gibson and how he looked in 2005. But isn't he Australian? Isn't he? Maybe he's that. Yeah, but he was was overweight, gray beard. This is also, at the time, 2005, this was a Mel Gibson that was coming out as a racist. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, for all that we may not like about Reeves as Constantine, it's less problematic than Mel Gibson and Kevin Spacey combined. (laughs) Also, Kevin Spacey in 2005, he was doing Superman Returns. How many DC movies is he going to do? Yeah, that would have been way too much. much. No, too much. Um, as far as his heritage is concerned, in the comic book Hellblazer, uh, John Constantine, like we said again, is from Liverpool, England, and is drawn to look like the singer Sting. That was the whole point of his You creation. sound like you're from London. <laughs> in the movie, the character is from Los Angeles, California. It's widely believed, it was widely believed, that the change was made specifically for Keanu Reeves, but the truth is, the original script maintained his nationality like being from London but got no response from producers so they changed him to an American and the script all of a sudden started getting attention xenophobes bastards xenophobes uh, and uh, what do you think of Shia Shia LaBeouf oh you you already know how I feel about Shia LaBeouf that, Shia LaBeouf is literally a god to me <laughs> I love Shia LaBeouf He's the man. That scene where he's just like doing the little exposition of the kind of bullets that he was making. Yeah. He's just he's just talking and talking. Bro, I'm like, yo, come he on. He still feels very even Stevens at this point. Like he still Well, at this point very... he only had holes and uh uh what's it called? iRobot and stuff yeah, like that. As a matter of fact, Shia was recommended to producer of Akiva Goldsman for the role of Chaz by Will Smith, following his impressive performance in iRobot the year prior. So there you go. So yeah, he did iRobot and then gets recommended by good old Will Smith to play in this role. So, and this is just what, this is one of the reasons why I love Shia LaBeouf. Because at that time, from the time of Holes all the way to like the time of like 2007, filmmakers and respectable, respectable filmmakers and respectable and actors, actors yeah. were literally recommending Shia LaBeouf to play starring role. It's like, yo, give this guy a chance. Give this guy... Steven Spielberg was calling this dude the next Tom Hanks. <laughs> there was a lot going on. And, yeah, uh, and they put him in. Uh, they put him in Indiana Jones. But during, uh, yes, I know it's uh, everybody can have their opinion on the fourth Indiana Jones movie. You know, you're allowed your opinion. But the fact of the matter is, Steven Spielberg on that set was saying, "Yo, this guy is the future." Of well, that's why I'm saying, like, the idea that they would even come up with a what I would call a Thunder Son. If it will, yeah. <laughs> the idea that they, uh, that, there you go. that they were going to make Shia LaBeouf the Thunder Son to Thunder Gun, uh, it that's a that's a hell of a, um, and what's that called? The, that's a hell of a mark of success. Like, the, and he the definitely had people... the that he definitely had the the good looks of a young Harrison Ford too. So you could buy at that point that kind of Shia LaBeouf in that Harrison Ford role. Yeah, I would watch an Indiana Jones next movie with Shia LaBeouf as the son. 
I think he's grown as an actor. I think it'd be interesting at the very. Oh, now he's writing and directing his own to stuff. See him coming. Yeah. He's really matured as an actor. Talk about somebody who's matured as an actor. Constantine later meets with the androgynous half angel being Gabriel, played by Tilda Swinton. Uh, uh, amazingly, Supreme. amazingly played by Tilda Swinton. She knocks it out of the park. Oh, this was one of her best performances I've ever seen. Yes. she was amazing, especially when in the towards the end. I got really big. Bowie vibes when I was looking at her when she oh, was in that 100- suit oh, at the 100%. library. That's Ziggy like, Stardust wow. all day. Like, I know it might be seen as an insult, but if she could play David Bowie in some sort of biopic, if pushed. Oh, I would, I would, I would want her to play. Uh, David. David Bowie was androgynous himself, so right, it's... right. I think she would, she would kill it. Um, he he asks this angel. He just walks in and talks to this angel and asks this angel for a reprieve from his impending death from lung cancer caused by prolonged smoking. Gabriel declines, telling Constantine that he exercises demons for selfish reasons and cannot buy his way into heaven. So that's one of the other big changes, right? Is this idea that, uh, we'll get into it, but that he's damned for a different reason. And almost everything that he's doing now is to get points, to get enough points to go to the good place. I kind of <laughs> like, if it were. I like both reasons, really. Like, there is, yeah. there really is no... Which one was better? Which one was worse? Which one worked here and which one didn't? But I think it's this, like one, I think this movie one, one makes him more self-serving. But Constantine, by design, is a self-serving character. So if anything, they went pretty accurate with the motivations. But I, like, I like the idea that he would exercise some people just because it's the right thing to do. Oh, I felt but the like idea he that you're only exercising yeah, people but I because you like he exercised that girl in the beginning because it was the right thing to do. But he was also over the whole thing, wasn't he? Like he was over point, it before. He was over it afterwards. Point, yeah, because we have wait, this was before his cancer diagnosis. Well, this is before his cancer diagnosis. So if he's yeah. over it at that point, it's probably because of that whole Newcastle thing that the movie doesn't allude to. Yeah, but I guess yeah, at that point when you meet Keanu's Constantine, he's over it. Yeah, he is. but there are but there he had did a lot of uh, made a lot of decisions in that movie that he didn't have to make if he was a selfish person. You're right. He didn't have to help Rachel Vice. No, at all. We're going to talk about her, but uh, after being assaulted by another demon, Constantine goes to Papa Midnight, played by Dimon Hansu, a reputed witch doctor. Dimon Jihus. Dimon Hansu. That's how it's pronounced? Dimon Hansu? Yeah. Because his last name is H-O-U-N, which was Han. S-O-U. Hansu. I always pronounce his name Dimonji. Dimonji? Dimonji. It's D-J-I, so Jaimon, Jaimon Hansu. Jaimon, okay. Yeah. Jaimon, it's a D and a J, so I don't know. So how, D and the J makes a J, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he d- runs a club, Papa Midnight. Um, which he's he's also in Constantine the show. He's played by my homeboy that was in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Um, and so he's a reputable witch doctor, voodoo, does all that kind of stuff. He runs a club serving as a neutral ground where half breeds do not have to conceal themselves. Constantine uh, is admitted into the club, but the bouncer tells Chaz to leave as he cannot pass the psychic entry test. Midnight does not believe Constantine's claim of demons crossing over. Constantine leaves after after exchanging hostile words with the half-demon Balthazar. I will say that this scene makes up for the Gabriel meeting scene because I felt like this what this scene did in the movie with him meeting uh, good old uh, Jaman was um, it was the same way that when he went into Gabriel's place in the comic, he went into a place of sacredness and you know calmness busting, and yeah. busting heads and, and just going crazy, making a scene. He yeah. walked into a place of neutrality, 
and accusing this man of being not neutral and archaic ways. And he even said, don't come into my house and disrespecting of war and stuff like that. Like, so that whole scene. He also, it shows a a commonality that he has no respect really for anyone else besides himself. Right. Oh, true. None of these people he bows to, uh, later Gabriel, all that kind of stuff. He never really gives them They have moments in this movie where I'm like, oh yeah, that's Constantine. Totally. Him busting up this little nightclub. So, and just getting angry, it's like, oh, so you just think that you can just be neutral? While when he all- gets into that nightclub moment, I'm, I have, I had big uh, John Wick flashbacks where he's in the nightclub and the music is playing and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if uh, that's Baba what he got. Um, I'm man Hansu doesn't get his just due as a comic book movie actor, aside from being dude, Papa he's, he has a lot of comic book movies in his in his um under his belt. Yeah, aside from being Papa Midnight in this, he played the wizard Shazam in Shazam. He played Korath in Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel. And he played the Fisherman King Riku in Aquaman. He's also set to be in the new The King's Man, which is based off King's Men, which is a comic as well. So he has been Yo, killing it. Dude, wow. I'm not going to front. That's an that's, that's pretty resume, that's man. an under that's an underappreciated comic book resume right there. That's what I'm saying. My man actually, it, and he is a he's a thespian. It's like people actor. are starting to get with Carl Urban. Like people are now starting to be like, oh yeah, he was in a lot. Of Bro, things. no, Carl <laughs> Urban has been like the king of nerdum since like 2002. Like before then, because he was in Xena. Xena, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, right, Star right. Trek, The yeah. Boys. Like Carl Urban has been doing Thor, his, Dread. He's been, he's been doing his fair share. Yeah. Like, uh, it was my thing with, like, same with Jeff Goldblum. I had no idea Jeff Goldblum was, like, the king of sci-fi until I really started watching a lot of like, oh, sci-fi horror movies stuff. from, like, the 80s and 70s. He's always quick to fight things that are not human. He's, he's you know, uh, uh, mm, uh, he'll bring uh, those uh, hands. Yeah. <laughs> You're Goldblooming, Dan. You're Goldblooming. Oh, no. What do you mean? <laughs> what? Elsewhere, a woman named Isabel Dodson, played by Rachel Weiss, commits suicide in a psychiatric hospital. Her twin sister, Detective Angela Dodson, both played by Rachel Weiss, refused to believe that Isabel, a devout Catholic, would kill herself. Watching security footage of Isabel's suicide, Angela hears her say Constantine's name. Angela finds Constantine and asks him to help investigate. After they are attacked by winged demons, which Constantine believes were targeting Angela, he agrees to help. What do you think of the character of Angela? I think the name's a little bit on the nose, but... <laughs> she's... she's uh, I felt like they had... They were like... Taking every single Constantine female character and throwing them into one. This is also off the heels of the Mummy, right? When did the Mummy come out? The Mummy, the no, the, the not the original, the remake. The first, the mummy first remake. Ever. Yeah, the 1999. first. Oh, the first Mummy ever was was with uh, Boris Karloff in the 30s. But... No, the one where Rachel Weisz is in it. 1999, 1999 and then the like 2001. One is 2001. One. So. Oh, she was also. Um... Was she in the third one? I don't think so. Mummy three. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, 2008. She was in Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Uh, yeah, she was. Crazy. Nope, 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 nope. It's a different woman. Uh, there's an Evelyn O'Connell, but that's not. It's not Rachel Weisz. Um, the reason why I bring up the whole mummy thing is I feel like she's almost kind of sort of doing the same thing here. Yeah. Right. Uh, just without the accent. Yes, and I, I guess now's the time. Now's a good time as any. To say one of the things I wanted to say about this film. I feel like this film, the direction and where they take Constantine is very similar to Blade. Yes. I think that they took a lot of cues from Blade. uh, The Blade, the entire Blade Trinity, because I think the whole Trinity came out by this time. It's not just Blade. You know what it is? It started with Blade because Blade came out before Spawn. 
Yes. So it started with Blade, but it was this leather I pants. Think and, first. I think uh, no, because we had a twenty. We didn't we do a twenty year anniversary for Blade like two years ago. I almost think we did Blade for Halloween as well, which is kind of funny, right? Blade is in nineteen ninety three. I mean nineteen ninety eight, and Spawn is in nineteen ninety seven. Oh, Spawn's first. Yeah. So then I guess Spawn would be the start of the that edgy, brooding, motorcycle fetish type. Because if you were look at you got Blade, Spawn, Daredevil, Constantine, they're really all like the same style of movies that are going for like that same kind of thing. But also like the inventive weapons, like the garlic yep. bullets and the and the sunlight. What, what boomerang, whatever the hell that, oh, you know what oh, I'm saying? Yes. You know how Blade also bro, had this he array. Put a, he put a cross on a shotgun. Right, he put Which, a cross on a shotgun. That is the most non-Constantine thing in this film. Remember when I told you earlier? I was like, "There's one thing that I had an issue with it was him. It was him walking around blasting fools with a shotgun." I just, it's it's super cool here, and it's super cool with Keanu, and it super works. It didn't take me out of the film. But when you try to connect those two things, it'd be like a badass shotgun scene with Batman in it. The scene could be cool, but then you'd be like, "But why does Batman have a shotgun?" If that makes any sense. So like the holy water grenades. And the and the 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 box full of crickets, you know, like he had an assortment. It reminded me of Blade when they're putting the stakes and they're putting the the sunlight. He had like oh, weird he got that, sunlight he's like things. The, the fucking the garlic knot, like yeah, the garlic, like garlic, the garlic um choking piano wire thing. Oh, the garret wire, the yeah. garlic on the garret wire. He had like pure steel uh, knives and uh, bullets, uh, and uh, they were all tipped with holy water. All of his guns thing. shot stakes so it could shoot you. Like yeah, that's what I, that's silver, what fe- silver. That's what yeah. this felt like. Like he can team up with Blade. And with all their cool religious weaponry and attack. That'd be know? one badass Calvin and Hobbes type <laughs> story right there. And not only that, like I said again, they, they strictly make Constantine's uh, usage of magic uh, Christian. All of his uh, spells are from the Bible. Uh, his weaponry is crosses and, you know, Christianity. Um, I'd like it a little bit more when it's kind of vague and it's just weird mysticisms of there various was, no, religions. The thing was about the, con- the constant, the, well, especially dangerous habits from what I've read, there was more Satanism than Catholicism. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get the conversation with Gabriel. There's that overarching that, you know, heaven is there and that God will do this and that angels. Are good. But really, the Constantine, those six issues aim towards more of the darker side of religion. Yeah. You met three devils. You knew Constantine was an exorcist. Like that, there was more hell fire and brimstone in those comic in the Constantine comics. Where here, you're really getting both. Yeah. Because you have Rachel Vise, her character, the twin sister, devout Catholic. You meet Gabriel, so you have these elements of religion. Then you have the the elements of hell. But like you say, they decided to take a definitive stance where Constantine is. Good, but not good enough to go to well, hell. Thing, do you think? Do you think that they were scared to go full Hancock asshole with it, like full, full? I, like they, they didn't want Keanu Reeves to well, be a dislikable two, character. This was about two, uh, two, three years removed from Hancock, so Hancock doesn't exist yet. So, no. I guess yeah, it was just. I guess they didn't want to to make to take this approach where Constantine is not good, like they like want, unlikable. A bit. Yeah, they wanted to make him like all around good because it was so confusing that he was doing everything. To fight demons and to fight the devil and to make sure people go up above and people's souls are cleaned, but he was bad enough to warrant to go to hell. 
because in his early twenties, because of suicide, because that, of that pissed me off. Which is that a, made no sense. That's in the a movie. Um, that's a that's one of the other things. At one point, Isabel is asking the priest to bury her, give her her sister a Catholic funeral, and the priest says, uh, "We can't. She killed herself. That's against the Bible." And she's like, "Yeah, but you know, she wouldn't have killed herself, and she loved the church more than anything else." As a matter of fact, she thought God was the only one who did love her, and the priest is like. Uh yeah, but no. He kisses her on the forehead and walks away. He's like, it's not happening. We're not breaking the rules for your sister. So they're very anti-suicide. Uh, but the worst part about the whole Constantine thing is that he... I feel like the only reason why he's being marked because of the suicide was because he died for two minutes. Like, had he not died, had he slit his wrist oh, no, and yes. been found, right. he would have never been acute. I don't think he. I don't think he is damned forever. But because he died for two seconds... And he died because of suicide, uh, and then was revived. That that's what put. This was also pissed off because it pissed me off that my understanding of it was when he went to hell in those two minutes, he woke up with the ability and and the the motivation to be this way. I think the motivation, but not the ability, because he commits suicide because of the ability. He did commit suicide because of the ability, they, they, right? They would bring him oh, to no, a psychiatric right, he, hospital. Yeah, when he was, like, he would see like, like dead bodies on the bus, when which he is was something going. that the other Constantine never did. No, this one Constantine would just started getting into a cult at nineteen because of an abusive father and a dead mother. I feel like I felt like that was that's, better. That's yeah. why I feel like it's very Blade. They made him somebody who walks between both worlds and can see past what the real world is trying to show you. That feels very Blade to me. You know, like you're in both worlds, but eventually you're going to be brought down to this side because that's how this whole thing works. Um, so, yeah, he has to explain to her, to Angela at all, that he can see the true nature of half-breeds like we were talking about. And he committed suicide to escape his visions as a teenager, and his soul was sent to hell, but he was revived by paramedics two minutes later for the sins of taking his own life. Uh, but his soul is still condemned to hell once he dies. Um, the two examine Isabel's room in the hospital and find a clue pointing to the prophecy in the satanic Bible that Lucifer's little bouncing baby boy, Maman, will attempt to claim Earth. Maman? That's what you just said? <laughs> Maman. <laughs> will, will att- I'm pretty sure you can call him the other thing, too. Will attempt to claim Earth as his own kingdom. To do so, Maman uh, requires a powerful psychic and an assistant from God. And I love how Andrew's like, where is he going to get a psychic? And <laughs> Keanu's like, you're the, you're the damn psychic. <laughs> you idiot. Um, oh, but she stopped believing in her. Like, it's a whole oh, thing like, about, yeah, yeah, not believing, pushing it away. Okay, I'm really tired of that trope in movies, too, where it's like you're born powerful, but. Unleash your, your brain, powers, Gene. But your brain is also more powerful that if you forget that you ever had those powers, they you will legit go away. Yeah. But then when you remember that you have those powers again, all of a sudden, ex machina, they come back. Like, That's it. It's, it is dumb. It's dumb. And she's also, that's another thing. Like, I, I feel like we weren't waiting for a magical MacGuffin character in Dangerous Habits, where she's going to solve a lot of the problems and be the crux of a lot of the problems just by existing. No, he was by himself this entire thing. Like, where he, he it was after the whole, was, it was after um, the Ellie thing. It was, the yeah. Bre- it was when Brennan died, and then he meets Ellie, where he's like, you know what? I got to do this on my own. Right. I've always had to have done this on my own. Like, he understands he had to do this on his own. He, yeah, he he gets help in the in the TV show, but every time he gets help, it's like he uses it as selfish intel and bounces out the window. And then, for the most part, yeah. Here, it's like you're right. We're waiting for this MacGuffin psychic that's gonna eventually show solve her head. everything. Yeah, yeah solve everything. 
Um, Angela tells Constantine that Isabel, a clairvoyant and a psychic, was committed by their parents. Angela had the same gift but suppressed it and now feels guilty that she didn't cooperate Isabel's visions, having feared the treatments Isabel was made to go through. Coward. Oh, you know, yeah, she feared it. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, for real. I remember saying, damn, so you literally watched your sister say, yeah, tell him. We do it together. Tell- I don't know what she's talking about. I don't know what about. she's talking you know, about. You lock her ass away. And then she watched. She was sit- tired of sharing her birthday, Dan. That's what happens when you're twins. She was like, can you just put her somewhere else? You know what it is? I've seen the, I've seen the video of that little That's girl. That's what I was about to say. This is what happens when you blow out another little girl's candles. That's it. You can't be blowing out no other girl's candles. All right, people? So get it right. Um, at Angela's insistence, Constantine reawakens her psychic ability through a near-death experience. I don't think that that was what that was. First of all, the first time this happens, he's just he grabs her up in the hospital and goes, "What do you see? What do you see, Angela? What do you see?" And she's like, "I don't see anything." What do you see, Angela? I don't see anything. But what do you see, Angela? I don't see anything. What do you see? He makes her cry, and then she starts to see something, and then the hilarious scene of him drowning her in her in her own oh bathtub. Oh my god! And the fact that he doesn't give her any kind of facial. Assurance that what he's All doing he is was, for, it's for it's for the kick or the Kickstarter, whatever. And he just holds her down, and she's wriggling and writhing, and he's just stone faced, gonna murder her in this instance. But uh, the funniest yeah. thing was when she opens, she like she she like she takes it for a second. She's like, okay, what is this? What are we doing here? She goes under the water. She opens her eyes, and he's just there with his hand over her chest. <laughs> and then down. that real that moment of realization comes. It's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm supposed to... I need air. What's going on Yo, here? And he's just holding her. Like, that fight was so hilarious. What do you think about the speed force nature of going out, going to the other side where everything slow, slows down once you cross over? I think... Hasn't that... How many moves has that been in either since? No, or I think before? of the speed force. Like, choo, choo. There's been so many times where things stop and it's just slow-mo. And especially when there's like rain droplets and you're supposed to see the actual rain droplets just stop yeah. there and it's just do, do, do. I mean I guess good effect but could have been better um, and I, I guess another thing that that it, it makes you do like the mental math that it makes you do is this idea that um, a second in hell is an eternity elsewhere and imagine your eternity then in hell would be <laughs> forever literally forever uh, so it's supposed to scare the hell out of Constantine. Um, she immediately, once they do that whole breaking of the bathtub stuff, she immediately finds a clue pinpointing Balthazar as an accomplice to the plot. So Constantine takes his big old cross gun, his big old holy shotgun, uh, and interrogates Balthazar. kind of sort of shoots him in the face. Um, who reveals that Maman has the spear stained with the blood of Christ, which is the assistance of God. And Angela now, the psychic in place of Isabel, is abducted by an invisible entity. Dan, I did not laugh as much in this entire film than when they drug Isabella or Isabel backwards through several steel and concrete balls <laughs> completely out of a window. She would have been dead. She would have been dead. If I grabbed somebody by the waist and ran through every wall <laughs> of this house to get outside, they'd be dead. She should have died. But it's hilarious because Constantine can't run as fast and she's just being pulled backwards through an entire office, uh, you know, compound or something like that. Hilarious stuff. Uh, Constantine convinces Midnight, Papa Midnight, that the demons are breaking the the wager's rules because his whole thing is that demons are not allowed, demons or angels are not allowed to be on this plane. Um, John Constantine is an ice agent of sorts. He 
often says that he deports. <laughs> Am I lying? He often uh, describes his job as deporting. He in, um, the, in the movie specifically, demons. he does say, "I deport you back to hell." I'm deporting demons back to hell. Um, it's not in all this, but it was a pretty sick moment when they had that priest who couldn't drink anything. Um, oh, Father Hennessy! My God, that scene got me. He was another clown drowning yeah. himself in fucking beer. I mean, but wine. he couldn't. But he couldn't taste it. He couldn't feel it. Because he gave he gave his uh, thing that protects him to Constantine, who then gave it to the girl, who then left it on the car seat. So don't give nothing to nobody, people out there. That's I'm, your things. It's just isn't that keep a, your things together. Keep it. Keep. Uh, uh, get your shit together. Get your shit together. Pack it up and take it to the shit store. That's it. Uh, shotgun, assistance from God, invisible entity, Doctor Midnight, Captain Midnight, Papa Midnight. So with Papa Midnight's help. Captain. Constantine finds out the sword, the spear emerged, how the spear emerged, and Angela's location. Constantine arms himself again with all the you know weapons of Christ, as they are, um, and goes to the hospital, reluctantly bringing Chaz along. The two fight their way through the army of half demons. They don't really fight their way through an army of half demons. Chaz puts a uh, cross, an anointed cross inside the water supply of the building. Then they activate the fire... Oh, the sprinklers, the fire sprinklers. Yeah, What's the that called, though? Fire... The emergency sprinklers, isn't it? Yes. It's fire suppression sprinklers, something like that. But yeah, he, they get on the, the, the sprinklers, and it's holy water coming down. And there's this one scene where the camera pans to Michelle Monaghan for no reason, and you realize, wait, Michelle Monaghan's one of these nameless, faceless actors in this demon scene? Nope, she was actually supposed to be Ellie, and they cut the, all of it out. So yeah, I was there was a background. Why. Was that a Michelle Monaghan just cameo? Just have a, just have like a background character. She says two words: "Holy water." That's all she says in the entirety of this, which is I thought it was pretty freaking weird. So um, they had a whole thing of her being Ellie, and they cut it. Yep, that's bullshit. This would have been cool ways. for him to talk to her, and you know, bro, that would have been. And you know, it been it, it would have just worked. Like if you got a scene of earlier him and Ellie talking, and then later you don't see her for the rest of the movie until she pops up. In that one scene, then give her a couple more words than holy water. At least it would have been a a, a worthy Michelle Monaghan cameo. Like you had Michelle Monaghan in your movie. I'm sorry, I'm I'm touchy with Michelle Monaghan. She's that's gone, baby, gone. That's due date. You know, like I have a very She's special, <laughs> I have a very special place in my heart for the heartbreak kid chick. But she didn't. He didn't get to keep her at the end of that. Remember that? He didn't get to keep. He had her another that. girlfriend at that time too. <laughs> So he, yo, you know what's so crazy? It was like the reverse of Long Came Polly. It's and terrible. it's Ben Stiller, too. It's like, you just went through this bullshit in Long Came Polly. Now, there you go. Ben Stiller is Constantine. There you go. Do that. But as Simple Jack. Or, <laughs> or why don't we just get Owen Wilson? He's got the blonde hair. Wow. So many demons. <laughs> There's so many demons. Wow. Here. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Constantine, you're going to die. Wow. Wow. Really? <laughs> Lung cancer. It's because you smoked 30 cigarettes. Wow. I love that whole thing, yeah. The, he's like, I'm going to die because you guys hate me. And they're like, no, you're going to die because you smoked 30 I, cigarettes a day. That was. That, I felt like they did it better in the book than the movie on that one because it did feel like he, he took it as a personal thing. And he's yeah. Like, Bro, it ain't, we're angels. There is no vendetta with us. Like You did you, this. <laughs> you've been smoking two packs a day since you were 15. Like... 
this is what And you're going to go to hell because you use dark arts. And you know all this. You don't come to me with you these look answers. At you it, know all this. And Gabriel straight up says, like, you look at the Ten Commandments as a joke. You're wondering why you go to hell? But that's when he stood up and he was about to fight an angel. The, <laughs> the best part about that two-panel thing was when he said you take the Ten Commandments as a joke. Yeah. Constantine's response was, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so you're yeah, taking yeah. the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, yeah. He just like, doesn't care. Bro. He doesn't care. Oh and that's the best God. part about the character. He's so nonchalant with everything because he's a working class person. When you're a working class anything, all of this stuff just rolls off your back. Oh, yeah. He, he's a nine to five demonologist. Like It's like a working class electrician. Just shows up at the job, probably half drunk. He knows what he's doing, right? He knows what he's going to do already. Doesn't have to ask a bunch of questions. Does it and gets out. Doesn't care if anybody else in the house sees him or any of that kind of stuff. He's just there to do a job. And that's who Constantine is um, as a man in the comics. Here it's a little bit differently. Like I said, he has the holy water grenades and he has the um, the gun. He's, he's early 2000s comic book uh, leather biker broding. Like He is. The, he has Blade. You can put a little bit of spawn in there, but you definitely have to put some Matrix in there because that was one of his biggest roles around this time was the Matrix, the Matrix trilogy, and I you have to think that was one of the reasons why he started. This is a in this year film. removed from uh, from Revolutions, so the Matrix trilogy closes out in two thousand four, oh five. You get Constantine, yeah, which is probably one of his last starring roles until <laughs> until things dwindle down for a bit. Yeah, he does. Uh, no, Ronan that... was Ronan in this movie. Uh, he had no, forty seven Ronan was his movie. Ronin. He had Lake House with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, he had a oh um, don't knock or something like a uh, knock knock the Eli uh, Roth movie. Yes, 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 yes. And then yeah, then he revitalized his career with John Wick. Yeah, yep. Um, so oh, this is where I'm at. Um, the two uh yeah the two Chaz and and him fight their way through an army of half demons. Um, so they could exercise Angela. Chaz is apparently killed by the invisible entity. That pissed me which off. Which turned out to be Gabriel. That was crazy because he's like fine. He has his hero's moment. He, they show him to be very um, useful and, and useful. And then they literally grab him, throw him against the ceiling, throw him against the floor. They throw him against the ceiling, that poor kid. And then he's dead. Like he's just dead. I just saw a woman get drugged backwards through an entire fucking office building. And she's fine. But Chaz took a couple of hits on the ceiling on the floor. And he's yeah, dead. and then his last words were some shit like "You were right. I didn't want to. I shouldn't have done something like this." Like, it's nothing like the books. Yeah, it's nothing like the books. That's like you're right. You're right. It's nothing goes, like the books. You're right. It isn't. And that's when he comes up with his plan, uh, Constantine, which um, is to uh, oh, resenting God's favoritism towards humans. Gabriel plans to unleash hell on Earth to weed out those deemed unworthy of God's love. Oh my god, this is also another thing that pissed me off about Gabriel's motivations in this movie because Gabriel was only in a scene in the Dangerous Habits comic. Yeah. My problem with Gabriel's plan... Let, let's pull the cinema sins. Let's talk about Gabriel's plan. Damn. Bro, it was the same thing that Bartleby's plan was in Dogma. Oh, really? Bartle, Bartleby's plan in Dogma was simple. He was tired of God's favoritism towards humans and tired that, right, that the one time that he sticks up for humans, God banishes him to Wisconsin. Yeah. So, he finds out a loophole to get back in heaven. There's a brand new church being built in Jersey that <laughs> that 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 ab- abstains all sins the second you walk through the archway. Yeah, that's their new plan for for the modern day Catholicism. No more um doing confessions. Baptizing no more them. doing confessions like that. Yeah, you walk through the archways, brand new slate clean. To do that, you prove God wrong, re- erases existence. Yeah. 
And that was his motivation where there was a whole monologue where Bartleby, where Ben Affleck was literally saying, you know, I'm tired of him picking them over us and we came first. We're slaves. They get a choice. That's it's basically it's the, same, was the yeah. same motivation here. And that's what he was saying. He was saying that he doesn't think it, Gabriel doesn't think it's fair that you could do a bunch of shitty things in life and then confess and still be let into the kingdom of heaven. So he wants to make life a living hell for all of us so that we could appreciate the Lord's embrace, I guess, more. Uh, yeah, but he so was yeah. also, he, Gabriel was also using like the devil's motivation against people. Like, I, first of all, I love that costume design though. Oh, when she comes oh, and she down, was in the all white with the bare feet and like oh. and like um, hospital bracelets. Yep, around her, it just looked really, really cool. And again, her oh, being con- androgynous. Constantine really, directed really cool. by Quentin Tarantino for a second in that one oh, that scene. Oh, that feet. Hey, tell um, the screen can put her feet on my cheeks. Oh dear, oh dear. Gabriel, Both. Gabriel casts Constantine from the room and prepares to use the spear to cut Maman free from Angela. Out of options, Constantine slits his wrists. As he bleeds out, Lucifer, played by the wonderfully talented Peter Stormare. Uh, he wanted this soul, Lebowski. He wanted the soul. I love him laughing. Like, at very point, he's just giddy. Dude, oh, he's, he's, just, there, giddy. he's just like this? Yeah. Just, oh, my All God. All white linen suit covered in, in, in tar uh, and stuff like that. He actually comes down uh, the same, similarly to how he came shot down in the comics. Shot with the feet first in the tar. But if there's one thing that I love... The first words you get out of Peter Stormare's mouth was, you're the one soul I would come up here myself to collect. <laughs> right. Uh, it, wasn't in, it wasn't in the comics. In the comics, it was, I would kill a thousand, a billion souls to get to you. But I kind of liked it here where he's literally like, yeah, I, I have never met a mortal where I will personally drag their soul to hell myself. Yeah, and he calls him uh, Lou. Which I don't understand. Uh, like, not, not I don't understand. Like, that shows the nonchalant nature. He's talking to the devil. Instead of calling him Lucifer, he's like, yeah, hey, what, what up, Lou? Yeah. Like, hey, Lou, what, what took you so long? <laughs> and stuff like that. I also am, I don't know if I like it, but I guess my initial, I, I want to say initial as in my second rewatch. My, my, this rewatch now as an adult, I kind of didn't like the fact that every demon was like hungry. Oh, yeah. But I guess it kind of worked. Like with Balthazar, where he was just like trying to lick Constantine's face. And like, he smells him at one point, I think, too. That when know. they first meet, he's he like he, he smells him. He like touches him and licks his fingers. Like mm. that, They could have kept that out. I think the whole Peter Stormare almost licking Constantine was That was creepy. great. No, that kinda was, kinda creepy, per- that was that perfection worked. to me. That works. But it would have been more impactful if you didn't see something similar with Balthazar. No, yeah, no. Th- take off that Balthazar. Take off that whole thing and just have Peter Stormare do it. Because when he comes up and he puts his like... Cheek to cheek, and you see him licking his ear. I'm like, oh, bro, this is Peter Stormare. Like, and what's weird about this is instead of like the trick that we get in in uh, Dangerous Habits, Constantine tells Lucifer that Mammon is gonna end up being the next the next. Lucifer, Lucifer never even knew what Gabriel's plan was no, to do with his nope, own kid. That's nope. that's what it all what comes down to. I guess. If we're at the end of the movie and we have to get somewhere, we're going to finally introduce the devil. The, the plan's finally going to happen. Here comes the twist. The angel is the bad guy. Like, we're finally going to get there. I guess, yeah, make it so that Lucifer never had a plan to have any of that unleashed. Because really, when you read Dangerous Habits and you see that Lucifer, the first of the fallen, was the one that does not want war because yeah. he doesn't want the upstairs getting involved, you can see here 
And also, they he would because he was an angel, so he understands what they're tasked to do, their power, God oh, himself. No. He, he, he has, you he's, know. he's seen it firsthand that, yo, we oh, can't win. Wasn't it in uh, the Dangerous Habits where he says something along the lines of, like, uh, you know, like what he said, like, I, 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 you know, I would get rid of a thousand souls, whatever, for your soul. And at one point he goes, I want your soul even more than I wanted Nazarene. The Nazarene blood yeah, and all the that. the blood I... of the, that guy from Nazarene. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. This is getting dark. This is getting biblical. He, no, he was seriously <laughs> saying, I wanted your blood more than I wanted this and this the and blood that. blood of Jesus and... Christ. Yeah, he said more than the guy, you know, Jesus of Nazarene. So I was like, oh, my God, this is this is getting But so, yeah, so I guess it, 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 it would do to the same motivations of this Peter Storm married Lucifer doesn't want no war between him and God, not a second one. Right. So if he doesn't want a, a, a war, the best way to do it is, all right, you know what? I'm going to send my son back down there. That's what he says. Go home, boy. And then burns off the freaking wings of Gabriel. Which was pretty cool. Um, he, uh, which happens to Ben Affleck in Dogma. Yo, there this, you go. Maybe they were watching oh Dogma. My that, God. Dogma might have been another. Dude, another had, uh, yeah, no. Dogma had a lot of inspiration on this movie's religious aspect. You know? Um so, confronted by Lucifer, Gabriel threatens to smite him in God's honor. However, the attack against Lucifer comes up short, revealing both Gabriel and Lucifer to Gabriel and Lucifer that Gabriel no longer has divine protection. Which was a cool. Someone that was a cool doesn't have your back anymore. That was cool. That, that was, was cool. great. Like she went to punch it, and her fish just immediately just she couldn't do anything. It's like God just took him off the Wi-Fi. Like, clip. Oh my God! Basically, off. it's like you're, you're just watching a video and then buffering, buffering, yeah, buffering. Oh, sorry, you're off. You're cut off. You're cut Did off. Did you change your Netflix password? Yeah, Gabriel, I changed my Netflix password. Stop giving the gray uh, five stars. <laughs> That's your issue. <laughs> you keep giving the gray five stars. <laughs> and if you like Nate, uh, if you like Liam Nielsen, you'd be truthful about his movies. Oh my! That is a very God. deep cut reference. I hope anyone else back there got it. But. Um, Lucifer begins to burn Gabriel's wings, making Gabriel normal. Lucifer banishes Mammon back to hell and grants Constantine a wish out of gratitude. Constantine asks that Isabel be released to heaven. Lucifer implies, but uh, complies, sorry, but realizes too late that he cannot take Constantine to hell as a consequence. By selfishly sacrificing himself, Constantine is granted entry into heaven. So infuriated, Lucifer intervenes before uh, Constantine can be fully taken in. By healing Constantine's injuries and curing him of his lung cancer by literally pulling out the tumors in his lungs, hoping he would eventually damn himself again. Now, I also like this one a little bit more than the comics. And I said, now, the reason why I like it, uh, I like it here because the movie's ending. There's going to be no sequel. There is no story to continue. This isn't like some season finale of season one and season two is on the way. The story of Constantine ends here. So if we're gonna end, if we're gonna wrap up the way this character is being portrayed, then yes. He does it. He he does a full 360 of his character arc. He he does a self sacrifice that lands him in heaven. But Lucifer says, "Nope, you're not getting off that easy," and ends it with the ambiguous choice of, "Is he gonna be good or bad? Can like, he stay? Yeah." And on the and, it, the, and what's great about that is the final shot of Constantine is him chewing gum instead of him smoking a cigarette. So it's like he's he's, learning he's, a lesson, he's yeah. gonna try and get himself into heaven the right way. Now the way the comic book of it goes is there is no he's going to heaven. He's no matter what he's going to hell. Yeah, there is, unless he does something to change it. As far as I read from where I end Dangerous Habits yeah. epilogue, he's going to hell. He's just oh, eventually, yeah. He, he's putting he's just out, yeah. he's putting off the inevitable. He keeps putting a bandage over his broken bone, right. like right. But that also feels very working class, in my opinion. Yes, 
Um, and so, um, one of the, the I, I I have an affinity though for him tricking three devils. Like, oh no 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 that's, that's my that is better than at, no that's better the than the movie. But the thing is with that, I felt like that whole sacrifice that revelation that because he did the sacrifice he's going to heaven. It didn't feel like that was something that Constantine planned. It felt like something that just just so happened to tip the scales at the at the buzzer. That's also true because it was also better that he had a plan this whole time of what he was right. going to do to get. Had he out been of- laughing on the floor bleeding out as they take him to heaven. And at one point, he does give uh, give the finger, which is a pretty cool moment. He's getting dragged up to heaven, and he gives Lucifer the finger. Very reminiscent of the comic. But I wish it was a little bit more in his hands, as opposed to, you've done... Like, it's, we've done that as well, right? Like, true love's kiss. Like, at the at the end of the buzzer, yep. something's just happened, and it, it redeems everything. And it is a literal deus ex machina. God. That was literally God a deus ex machina. Yeah. And there was no way for us to know that that's what, that what, the, that's what the case was. But I guess in... Trying to bargain for somebody else's soul, uh, you know, he's gained entry. And also, to if, you, if you look at it, it's like it comes full circle because even though it's not specifically Astra, he saves a, a chick. He saves a soul that was that in was heaven. To hell, that was damned to hell. Seemingly, so. for at un- least unfairly. this. We, at least I know it, it. I know it's not fully Constantine, but if there is a version of Constantine that I got a chance to see, I'm glad I got to see a Constantine that got to win. Yeah. Like actually. Get a win because I still have my comics. Yeah. I can still read Saga the Swamp Thing. I can read Vertigo's imprint. Yeah. I can continue to watch Matt Ryan's show. Right. But I have a Constantine here, a definitive start, finish. Here's one story, one and done story of a Constantine that won. He quit smoking. He's cured of his cancer. He's not going to hell. And he saved a damned soul. A damned soul, literally, not a damned literally, soul. Literally, literally a damned soul. Yeah. Uh, so, Angela. Uh, and Constantine departs, leaving the now human Gabriel. Uh, I think he punches Gabriel in the face. Pain. Does, right? Get used to it. Yeah. He's like, you like that? You like how talk about androgyny. Talk about equal rights. And punches uh, counter. He punches Tilda Swinton in the face. Um, sometime later, Constantine, now making an effort to quit, quit smoking, entrusts the spear to Angela. I don't know why. And in post-credit scenes that I did not see, he visits Chaz's grave, where Chaz appears in an angelic form. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Was that good? Yeah. No. Dumb. No, not great. I, I thought overall thoughts from me, I thought the film was good. Um I don't know if it needs to be called Constantine, but I'm not gonna take it away from it from it. It could have been called, called Hellblazer. Could have been called anything though. It could have been called The Quick and the Damned, or it could have been called Angels and Demons. Yeah, right? no, Angels and, Yeah, you get what I'm talking about though. Yeah. It could have been, you yeah. know, Warriors of Heaven or some kind of some kind of Christian thing like that. War on Hell. Yes, exactly. You know, um and Yo, you know what the funny part was is if you would have just not called it Constantine, there was been they would have been nobody that would have even put two and two no. together. Nope. He's wearing black. He has black hair. He He's speaking on English. But he, yeah, he sm- he wasn't even smoking a lot in that movie. Like you could look at this movie without ever knowing the Constantine character ever existed, and it would just be another like movie for you. Yeah, but nope. Besides the trick at the end, I think another thing that they that kind of failed them in my opinion, was that he was not succumbing to his cancer? At all. This man- <laughs> And the, the whole thing was, is I felt like the, the the movie really went out of its way to show that his lung was like... Black. Yeah. Bro, he had red bl- spots. Yeah. Like seven, eight of them. It was... he he. They gave him like weeks. 
Yeah, and but in the comic, he's coughing up a lung every five minutes. And here it happens on occasion, but it's not Which really. Which is also what I love about Matt Smith and Matt Smith, Matt Ryan's uh, version of it, because you literally see his skin hugging his bones. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now like, I'm only like on the third episode, so he's, like that. he hasn't been cured of his cancer. He, If anything, he just got his cancer now, so. Do you want a sequel? Of this? Yeah. No, or I do want. do you want an original I, Constantine? I, I want a reboot. Okay, reboot. Instead of, I just, uh, yeah, I just think we should start rebooting bad movies that had potential but was lost in translation. Yeah. And for the most part, people liked it. I think the hardcore comic fans were not fans. I even heard this might be on, on Ebert's, like, hated list. Oh, no, this is, yeah, this films. is like one of, the, he says it's like one of the worst movies he's ever seen. <laughs> but I understand. I think, I think the action holds up. I think the plot is, is simple. I think that um all this effects hold up, which I think is it's one of the It's not boring. boring. It's yeah. not boring to me. I don't think it's a boring movie. I think yeah. it has its dull moments. It has its moments where you can get bothered and wish they changed it and want to do better. But boring? Nah. I'll throw this movie on with some friends. Hey, yo, let's watch some Constantine. And even with the very large scale scope of the story, you know, with Heaven, Hell, you know, the first of the fallen, etc., the cast is pretty compact. There's very little fat here, you know. You have uh, Keanu, Rachel Weiss, you have Shia, you have Peter Stormare, you have uh, Tilda Swinton, you have the guy who played Balthazar. And think of it, you have you have Jaman Hansu. Hansu. Yep. In what two scenes? Yeah. Tilda Swinton, two scenes. Yep. Peter Stormare. One, One scene, scene. Yeah. you get Rachel Weisz. Thirty minutes into the movie, you have Shia LaBeouf. What three scenes? Yeah, and so it's, uh, it's very so exact. Yeah. It's very. Ev- they have all of these powerhouse actors and actresses in here who are doing their hardest with their. Every actor in this movie did great. Yeah, to me personally, every actor in here was doing what they at that time of two thousand five capable for what you've known them to see them do. Yeah, so to give all of these powerhouse actors that today we know are great. And to give them these compacted scenes but still make it feel big when they're there and you feel the absence when they're not, that's something to be said about a yeah, script that's mal- yeah. that's pretty maligned like this. Like, that, 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 it, that takes a talent. And I do think that um, – This movie had potential at the end of the day. Yes. Uh, I think that the main mistake of this movie, as I said prior, is that they tried to and needed it to be an action movie. And when I think of Constantine as a character, I don't think of much action. This could have been a horror um, drama, a thriller, rated R, and it would thriller, have been... all that kind of stuff. Um, people might be ready for that it now, you know, with everything that's happening. You know what I'd want to, to, you know I'd want to take over this project as a movie? Mm. You already know. My oh, man Mike Flanagan, Flanagan, bro, I'm telling you. He probably could kill I think it, yeah. Mike Flanagan would kill... Yo, hire Oliver Cohen Jackson as, as, as Constantine. Luke from him. Hill House? Hire Luke from Hill House as Constantine. Kill, would kill it. He was already smoking and had a brogue accent in Bly Manor. Yeah, and um, you know, Flanagan's already shown that he can continue stories he didn't even start writing, like with Doctor Sleep. So, um, yeah, he he could. He's be adapted works of it. Turn of the Screw and and Haunting from the Sixth. Like he, oh man, the thing I is, would we've love been, to see this again. The thing is, we've been tantalized with the idea of a sequel for quite some time. In November 2012, it was announced that Guillermo del Toro has signed on for a writer and director for a Justice League dark film. That would have Constantine in it as a main character. No, uh, it, no, no, that, no. That, that has not, that's not happening anymore. Thank God, no. Um, by no. May 2019, Kriana Reeves stated that he's open to reprising the role in the future. 
July of this very year, it was reported that a new film centered around the titular characters, again, uh, the titular character, uh, would be in development with J.J. Abrams serving as a producer. No! Uh, the project is said to be a joint production between DC, Warner Brothers Pictures, and Bad Robot Productions. The film is said to be similar in tone to the filmmaker's other upcoming DC projects, including an HBO Max exclusive Justice League Dark television series, as well as a film centered around Zatanna. Someone tell Zack Snyder to hire Keanu Reeves to have a couple of episodes in the Snyder They should have showed Keanu Reeves in Crisis, or else that world's destroyed. <laughs> so, yo, imagine they showed Keanu Reeves in Crisis. Like, would have that world him... is destroyed now. <laughs> no, like, yep, that's the it. Green Lantern's world is still alive. They made a point to show that, that, uh, that Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern world is still existing no i don't know so i don't know if that if that world is alive anymore that mo- that world might have been destroyed i wanted to end this cast with a um especially this episode on constantine with something i found incredibly curious are you ready for this curious very ready for this uh alan moore claims to have met constantine on two separate occasions of course alan moore would in 1993 he told wizard magazine one day i was in westminster in london this was after we had introduced the character, and I was sitting in a sandwich bar. All of a sudden, up the stairs comes John Constantine. He's wearing the trench coat, a shortcut. He looked... No, he didn't look even look exactly like Sting. He looked exactly like John Constantine. He looked at me, stared straight into my eyes, smiled, nodded almost conspiratorially, and then, and then just walked off around the corner to the other part of the snack bar... I sat there and thought, should I go out around that corner and see if he's really there? Or should I just eat my sandwich and leave? I opted for the latter. I thought it was the safest. Uh, Alan Moore is never going to listen to our podcast. I'm not making any claims to anything. I'm just saying that it happened. Strange little story. His second meeting was uh, with his creation was illustrated in 2001 Snakes and Ladders, an adaptation by Eddie Campbell of one of Moore's performance art pieces. Um... Years later, in another place, uh, no, this is what he says. He says, years later, in another place, he steps out of the dark to speak to me. He whispers, I'll tell you the ultimate secret of magic. Any cunt can do it. <laughs> and, that, and that was Alan Moore's, uh, him meeting his own uh, creation. So maybe Constantine is still out there. Maybe he's still out there doing his magic. And the great part about comic books and multiverse is that we're allowed all these different kinds of Constantines. Matt Ryan is killing it, like we said, in the Arrowverse. Uh, we have, um, and we're, we're, maybe one day we'll cover that series. Um, you know, uh, I didn't, I'd enjoy it. We have Keanu Reeves doing what he's doing there. We still have our comic book Hellblazer, which is fantastic. Oh, I'm, um, I'm going to read some more. I'm going to look for another like famous story of this and just... Pick yeah. up it, whatever, like, something that's like four issues long in like the middle of like the Hellblazer. Yeah, I would so read some more of this. It's so good. It literally le- uh, lives up to his reputation. So go out there and seek more Constantine. Seek more versions of your favorite characters uh, that where there's some changes because sometimes uh, those changes are welcome when it comes to refreshing the ideas of a character. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say was that um, Hellblazer couldn't be called Hellblazer, even though the comic's called Hellblazer, because people were scared that people would think it was from the Hellraiser uh, franchise, and they didn't want to do that, so they just called it John Constantine. But 
you know, I want to thank you for coming in and uh, coming in for episode 150. Oh, it's 150, man. If you think I was going to be here live in studio for 150. And that, and that just, that thanks extends a huge thanks to every guest, every co-host, every listener, everyone who's ever shared, subscribed, commented, recommended the Major Issues podcast. We wouldn't have made it this far without you, but we still have a ways to go. Uh, we thought about making this a uh, a big celebration, but this is we're we're halfway there. We're a third there. We're a quarter there. We're gonna be around for quite some time. So uh, I'm just happy that we've gotten here, and we couldn't have gotten here without everyone there. Uh, we couldn't have made it this far without anyone uh, supporting us. So thank you guys so much for doing that. But don't forget to go to comicbookclick.com. Still the official home of the Major Issues Podcast. All 150 episodes plus our two annuals are up there now. And everything Comic Book Click, including our merchandise, articles, and profiles exist right there. Uh, but as you know, our podcast is available wherever podcasts are found, including Stitcher, Podbean, the Apple Podcast app, the Google Podcast app, Podcast Addict. Uh, YouTube, TuneFind, iHeart, and Spotify. The quickest way to find us is to go to Google, type in Major Issues Podcast, and we're the first ones to pop right up because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Don't forget to reach out to us on all of our social media. Make this a two-way conversation because that's what we always intended. 150 episodes back, uh, we intended this to be a two-way conversation with our fans. So make sure that you comment, like, share, and subscribe to us at facebook.com slash comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, or use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also on Twitter at Major Issues CBC where we post our updates to our podcast, all kinds of memes, and any news that uh, is fit to print as part of the Major Issues Podcast. I believe you're on Twitter as well, sir? Uh, right now I have to... Oh, Instagram. I'm on Dan. Instagram. Dan's Comics CBC right now. I have to keep going with all the social medias. I don't want to give too much away, but there's a bit of a Discord in the work. I'm going to try and get us ah, on some Discord. I just download cool. the Discord app. I'm going to try and get us there. Yes, See yes. what kind of fans I can reach us out to. I dig it. We're on a new precipice. You know, when I first started this podcast, I had no idea what it was going to be, uh, what it would end up turning into. I have now read so many stories. I've been rewarded with so many new friendships and so much of a new appreciation for this medium. And I feel like we're shepherds of sorts, helping people get from one comic to another, one comic book movie to another, all with appreciation, all with love, and all together, as we've always done as part of the Major Issues Podcast. So again, huge thanks to everybody for getting us to our 150th episode. But What a milestone. What a milestone. But my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan the Comic Man. And this has been our Constantine recap and review and episode 150. <sighs> and remember, <laughs> if you have a dream to start something special, you do it. And if you're blessed enough to have enough good friends, good support, and a good worth ethic, make sure you use it. I'm truly honored and humbled that we have reached this milestone, but the adventure isn't over yet. Remember, with Comic Book Click, we are still the future. Remember that when you're with us, you are part of the click. And if you learn anything from the 150 episodes of content that we have provided free of charge as part of Comic Book Click, remember that you, yes, you are worthy. <laughs>